Previously in that chapter, the um, God had been at, at work, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, all working to bring salvation to the people. And we sing a hymn that praises God as Father and Savior and Spirit, but also recognizes the, what we've just heard in these verses, that it's a church, people gathered together to make Jesus known that we are called to be. During this hymn, any of the young folks who are going out for other young folks' activities, Miriam's leaving uh, with you during the singing of this hymn, God the Creator, You in Love Made Me. I'd like to um, tell you about my uh, favorite restaurant. Um, it's nicely located in the suburbs. It's a beautiful setting and um, plenty of parking space. That, that helps a lot, doesn't it? Um, it's very attractively laid out inside the Deckers, very tasteful. And the background music, well, it could actually be from my own CD collection, so much is it to, to my taste. It's just great. The menus are very uh, imaginatively um, put together. It's all very reasonably priced. The waiting staff are friendly and attentive, not intrusive. It's really just a great experience. The only downside is that this restaurant um, never serves any food. Never, in all the times I've been, and all the experience there, have I ever seen anything come out of the kitchen on a plate and end up at our table. Okay, I made it up. <laughs> I made it up just to point out just how crazy and ridiculous it would be for a restaurant never to serve any food. 
And all these other things, like the nice location and the car park and friendly waiting staff and, and everything else, all these other things wouldn't make up for the experience of not getting any food. Would it? You wouldn't go. You wouldn't pay to be there. Now, the church's role and mission is to reach others with the good news about Jesus. We're not simply to try to improve things for people, to provide support or comfort. We're not just to be working for a fairer world, nor are we merely to provide services for folks to enjoy. Now, all of these things have their place. But even all of them together do not add up to what Jesus commissioned his church to do, which was to make disciples, to follow him, and to call others to follow him. And to be making disciples is to be as much a feature of church as serving meals is to be a feature of the restaurant. And in the same way as there would be no defense for the restaurant to say, oh yeah, but everything else about it is great. It is no defense for a church to say, well, we do this, we have that, we are friendly people, we have good events and so on, if we're not concerned about making disciples. It's what Jesus called us to be and to do. And a church not bothered about that is as nonsensical and as contradictory as a restaurant that doesn't serve food. Now, the church is a spirit-created community where it's a gathering of people, but only properly the church when it's the life of God through His Holy Spirit that is being nurtured. The church we read about in the section in Acts that that Dave read from Acts chapter 2 is the people gathered after the Spirit had been moving powerfully at Pentecost. Those, verse 41, who accepted Peter's message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And this, verses 42 to 47, is what happened next. That is, it was not a gathering of people who said, let's get together because we need to have something. It was God's salvation was experienced and tasted, and this is how it expressed itself. And in Acts 2, 42 to 47, we're given a picture of a church experiencing the life of God and growing the life of God in and among themselves. And that early church is described for us there so that we can say, ah, that's what it looks like. This is what we're to become. It was a community who were living the Lord's way, loving the Lord's people, and sharing the Lord's message. They were living the Lord's way, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, why did they do that? Why did they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching? was the ex-fisherman Peter, the, the greatest intellect in the whole of Jerusalem? Was that why they wanted to hear him speak? Was the so-called doubting Thomas the best life coach that was available? No. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching because that's how they were going to find out more about Jesus. You see, faith isn't something that's passed on like COVID-19 or like any other virus. 
in that, well, we know it happened, some people catch it, but it just seems to happen and we're not quite sure exactly how and when and it was spread. Faith doesn't come that way. Faith comes through listening to Jesus' message, trusting it, and applying it to our own lives. And to be followers of Jesus, we have to know who it is that we're following. And so the early church devoted themselves to that task. It wasn't anything casual or anything that just happened. They focused on learning about Jesus and living for Jesus. Living the Lord's way and loving the Lord's people, especially verses 44 to 46, we see the believers being together and and sharing everything. Their mutual involvement, you see, was real and was deep. Their caring was practical and profound. They genuinely looked out for one another, made sacrifices on behalf of each other. See, the church, these people who to be open with one another, we, need, we have to be open with one another if needs are to be identified and met. And it cuts right across the individualism of today's society. But that raises the question, will we follow the way of our society or will we follow the way of Jesus? Being bound up with one another is one of the features of being the body of Christ. Loving one another, and and by that we mean loving as Jesus loves, being practical, providing, and and giving sacrificial service. That's one of the defining characteristics of Jesus' people. Jesus said that his followers would know, uh, sorry, people would know that his followers were his disciples by their love for one another. He said in John 17 that the, the world would know that he was from God by the love the disciples had for one another. That is, it has to be something real and tangible so that others see it. And it's a kind of love that cannot be grown when we are detached from one another. And just as faith doesn't somehow materialize without our seeking, listening, trusting, and acting, so too love doesn't come without our spending time with one another, being open and honest, without serving one another. And then, too, the sharing of the Lord's message. Now, verse 47 speaks of how the church was growing, but it doesn't say anything directly about the church engaging in any outreach. The story of Jesus had been declared in the city, and now the quality of the life of the believers was adding credibility and attractiveness to that story so that others were joining. Disciples were being made. The kingdom of God was growing and through the body being added to with those who were being saved, verse 47. Now, we might think, well, it was easier for them to be such a church. They they had just seen all the excitement of Pentecost. They had been or known witnesses who had seen Jesus not just crucified, but, but risen from the dead. They would have been able to have gone to where the the tomb was empty. They had the apostles giving first-hand accounts of meeting Jesus. And we can't go back to those days. But it is the same good news to declare, and the same Spirit who is given to the church today, the Spirit 
who raised Jesus from the dead. It is the same Jesus that we are to proclaim and whose ways we are to follow, whose life we are to live in the world so that others will see the life of Jesus and know what it looks like. Now, that basic way or that basic shape of church life has never never been altered by God. There's no further revelation beyond Jesus. There's nothing given that changes who we are and our calling about what we're to be. And so, therefore, at no point can a church ignore the responsibility to make disciples and still be church any more than you can have a wonderful restaurant that doesn't serve food. Living the Lord's way, loving the Lord's people, sharing the Lord's message. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, what does devoted mean? People maybe have used the word devoted with reference to a wee dug. You know, you know what you mean when you talk about a devoted dog, don't you? How faithfully it follows and how, how obedient it is and so on. We might talk about a couple being devoted to each other. And again, I think we know what we mean when we say that, don't we? But spending time caring, serving, listening. So what does it mean when it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching? It means a lot more than just turning up at church service and going away as if nothing's happened. It's about learning the way of Jesus and living the way of Jesus. It comes through regular reading of the Scriptures. Oh, yes, we're not back in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. We do not have um, people, uh, Peter and all these guys with us, but we have the Scriptures with the message of that same Jesus. And just as they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, so we are to devote ourselves to reading the Scriptures and saying, what does it mean? How am I to live? And it means getting together with others to tease out, to explore, to, to share what it might mean in being a follower of Jesus today. In Acts chapter 2, notice in the verses, verse 46, they continued to meet together in the temple courts, but also they broke bread in their homes. That is, they gathered as a larger group in the temple courts, but also they got together in smaller groups to, to share and that's an important part of church life. And just as a bird flies with two wings, so both the smaller and the larger gatherings of God's people play a vital part in church life. We'll say more later, but there is a new focus group series starting from next week. It's part of our trying to get to grips with, to be devoted to the apostles' teaching. Can you really say, which was we say, that our reading of Scripture, our, our, the way that we've pursued that message, shows that we're devoted? And again, the loving of the Lord's people is something that's serious. 
maybe folks think, I don't want to be like that. I want to just turn up, go away. I don't want that kind of closeness. But if we feel like that, how then are we to fulfill what Jesus said himself about loving one another? Churches often use the word fellowship too lightly, using it to refer to any kind of meeting or or gathering. Now, of course, there is a time and a place for folks just to be talking about the weather, to be talking about what happened in Strictly or Love Island or, or the match or talking about our families and so on. But if we never go beyond uh, common that into our common sharing in Christ, our being co-workers in His mission in the world, then it's not really what the New Testament calls fellowship, nor is it what Jesus meant by love, when our sharing is just on such safe and non-committed terms. Now, clearly, no one person can have that kind of closeness with everyone else. Hence, the church met, verse 46, not only in the temple courts, but in homes as well, where there was that opportunity to meet and to be close. They broke bread and ate together, verse 46. And that's not a religious code for communion services. They weren't doing that in their homes. It was simple and straightforward hospitality. And there was a gospel and a spiritual aspect, an element to that, and that kind of sharing. And the sharing of the Lord's message is done both in word and in action. Some people might find word more comfortable. Some people say, well, I don't need to use words because my actions speak. We might be more gifted in one area than the other, but we are all called via word and deed to make Jesus known. So we have to learn what it means to, to be able to say, this is, my, this is my faith, not just this is what, how it makes me feel better, but tell that story of Jesus dying for us. Break it down into the gospel is not do but done. It's not about what you do. It's what God has done in Jesus. The message is not about something that makes us feel better, not about something that's a matter of opinion, not some handy hints about life. It's about, verse 47, salvation. And there's nothing more significant in life than the gospel, which speaks of eternal issues at stake. And just as Peter said to Jesus in in John 6, in the verses that we read at the beginning of the service, Lord, where else are we going to go? You've got the words of eternal life. That's that's why our faith sharing is so crucial. If church doesn't show and share the message of Jesus, then then people will never have the words of eternal life. They, They don't come any other way but through Christ. Now, who were the people in Acts chapter 2 who formed this church, who were living the Lord's way and loving the Lord's people and sharing the Lord's message? They were ordinary members of Jerusalem society. They were people who had only been Christians for a matter of days. 
There were some people who would be quite forward. There would be some nervous and hesitant people. There would be some clever people, some low-confidence people. There would be people with problems, people with questions, people who had skeletons in their cupboard, and so on and so on. The gathering together, though, around God's Word, being close enough to know and to meet one another's needs, and a lifestyle that was a witness to the world, all of these came as God's Spirit flowed through the church. But the church itself had to shape up. They had to be willing to follow God's way. It had to be devoting themselves. It had to be meeting needs. It had to be showing and sharing the life of Jesus It was not a case of them having their own favorite meetings and programs of serving themselves or those like them. It wasn't about them having a set of institutional ways and rules. It was the release of the life of God among them. They're putting their lives on the line for Jesus' sake. And it was ordinary folk, everyday folk who did that because the Spirit of God was working in and through them. It really would be no surprise at all if people didn't flock in their hundreds to a restaurant that didn't serve food. It'd be no surprise if folk didn't flock in their hundreds to a restaurant even though the waiting staff were friendly, even though the music was good, even though it was all very comfortable, if there was no food. Why would anyone want that? Why would anyone go to such a place? The same actually can be said for a church that has forgotten its calling to make disciples. It's calling to be disciples of Jesus And to make disciples through are being shaped and renewed by the life of God among us. And so, with the people summoned together to be the church in which faith is sown, we sang about making our promise to live for Jesus and to let the world know all are his own. Let us pray. I read an article this week that um, quoted, I think, A.W. Tozer saying, "It's, it's not that Christians tell lies, they sing them. And so I make my promise to live for Jesus to let the world know all are his own. Lord, maybe not sing lies. May that promise be real. Living for Jesus, so devoting ourselves to your word. And doing that with the people summoned together. 
and to let the world know all are his own. Lord, through your Spirit, lead us, help us to take seriously those kind of words that all too often we've sung glibly or flippantly. Forgive us for the times we've done that, and for the excuses that we make. Lord, you have the words of eternal life. Speak to us, and through your Spirit, give us the faith and the grace to listen. In Jesus' name, amen.